Hello, and welcome to Canada Reads American Style. I'm Shauna. And I'm Rebecca. And I have to say that it's always bittersweet this week that we have somebody on our show, a guest speaker, because it means they got voted off. But we want to <laughs> say thank you to Elena Fender for being with us today. Um, we're sorry. We're, many of us are very sorry Small Game Honey lost. But, or Myself in Included, myself included. It's painful. I, that, that's why I say we always talk about this. I would never be a defender because A, I couldn't defend it very well and B, I would be just, it would be hard to lose and then have to still come back and still kind of play along. But um, I do, we do have three questions for you and I'm not sure which one I want to ask you first because they're all kind of three widely different questions. Okay. So I think I'm going to start with this one. Is there a question that Allie didn't ask you that you were expecting to answer that you kind of prepared for? Ooh, I think I wanted to talk more about the ending um, because for me, that was a big, like the books that are left are incredible books. So that's also difficult, right? Because they're asking you to critique these other works and you're like, but I don't want to. Like, I think they're all amazing, um, but for different reasons. But one of my gripes I got the chance to say this on the show about with Son of, the, Son of a Trickster was the um the ending and kind of the way that it all unfolded and then just like abruptly cut off the ending of small game hunting is so full of meaning and nuance and there's so much to unpack there so what I had wanted to speak a bit more about was how the book kind of comes full circle right like it starts the book opens with iris olive and those boots right and then it ends with I, oh i get chills i it just did too i just did too iris olive and those damn boots um and so there's like this beautiful beginning and it all ties together and then that confrontation in the restaurant we're building to that the entire book right? And you're waiting for it and you want it and then you get it. And it's just as explosive and just as messy and horrendous as you expect. And yeah. I think that there's something really satisfying there um, that we didn't, we didn't get to touch on. Yeah. Well, it's funny that you bring that up about the ending because when we were watching today, Shauna and I were working today, but we were in my office. And when you answered the question about the ending, I looked at Shauna and I said, did Iris die at the end? I said, I thought she didn't die. And you talked about how dark that ending was. And so seriously, I came home, I reread the ending and I can see how there could be a mixed idea about it. But how do you like talk about that? Because it, I was going down the road one way, but you really put that in my head. And now I'm like, oh, now I'm not sure. <laughs> So that's, again, that's another thing I love about the ending is it could go either way. When I first read it, I was like, oh God, Iris died. She's dead, that's horrendous. And then I read it through again and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute here. She, nobody said she died, but nobody said she lived either. And so this is where, and I actually spoke with Megan, the author about this. Yeah. And she explained that she left it that way intentionally so that we as a reader get to decide and this is what I was trying to express on the show is that we only get a happy ending things are only going to get better if we change them 
we have to we have to actively break down these these systems of oppression and we have to actively work to change to better ourselves to better the people around us um and so i think that the ending is absolutely perfect in that you know i don't want to spoil anything but with the explosion in the restaurant with um damien getting to have his his say with omi coming in to the rescue and then um iris you know getting to say her piece yeah. that entire explosion and then cal and roger and iris and olive in the road right and i think it's really interesting that for you when you first read it you were like oh this is okay iris will be okay everything will be okay and when i first read it i was like that cal that roger they are the epitome of misogyny they are all of these you know concepts sexism misogyny the patriarchy and they've literally run these two women down um, yeah 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 it's funny Ooh. because yeah it, I, and when i reread it you know iris there's that part where iris talks about i'm gonna change my life i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that and that's why i thought okay well there's the hope so there's mm -hmm. iris making her way and then because she's with her sister at the end and i thought that to me is female empowerment that these two women come together at the end and no, no matter how beaten and downtrodden and horrible their lives have been at the mm -hmm. hands of the men in their lives of personally knowing them and maybe not knowing them obviously i that's why i thought no i need those two women to feel empowered and and move forward so that's why i think i that was yeah, my ending absolutely and i think that we got that we get that taste, we get that redemption, right? We get the, the exactly the reveal, the sister reveal, um, and that female empowerment moment that you're talking about. We also get that, that um, kind of moment of enlightenment for Cal, all wrapped up in this one piece where you're like, oh, things are gonna be okay. And then they're so still not okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, was my, that was my reading of it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Okay. All right. And then the other question I had, Sarah, who is one of our um, crew members uh, in this uh, outing for Canada Reads this week, she pointed out how important identity is to all of the books. Obviously, Jesse being Métis. Um, uh, of course, now I'm going to forget all the books. But anyway, mm -hmm. uh, can you talk about identity as it relates to small game hunting? Oof, I think that identity is a huge piece of small game hunting but not in as an not at not in as obvious of a way um as maybe the other books it's more subtle the racism is more subtle the the sexism and misogyny not so much that kind of hits you over the head um but in terms of iris and olive's indigenous heritage those are almost um it's, it's never directly um, kind of put as a, at the forefront um, as an explanation for the things that are happening in that book. I think also identity in terms of being working class, right? That's a huge piece of identity in this book, especially Absolutely. for the men, especially yeah. for Roger and Cal. You see a lot of the choices that they're making being made because they've lost their jobs and therefore they've lost their entire identity. Right, so there's also a cultural or a societal um, critique narrative there too, saying we've got to give men more, uh, we've got to allow them more 
freedom in, in the things that matter to them. Um, we've got to allow them more freedom to express emotion and to um, express their maybe sadness over losing their jobs, express their disappointment, their fear. We need to allow men to express fear because when we don't, what we end up with is the Rogers. We end up with the Calps. We end up with the Major Davids um, who have this entitlement complex because you know the, the world took them out of a job. And so now they're, they're this big victim. Um, so identity plays a huge piece in this book. It's just more nuanced than in the others. Yeah. And then did, did you have any male friends that read the book and how did they, and not just people, I mean, I'm just wondering friends specifically where you could have like a really open conversation maybe about it, but how did they feel males that read the book? Because obviously we know that the two men on the panel every day voted for this book. So I'm just curious, like the men, you know, what do you, how did they react? Every day, come on guys. Um, it's, so I've had different reactions. I've had a lot of that exact same reaction um, as Akil and George saying the writing's just too difficult, but they don't wanna have the conversation about what the writing's about. At least when I speak to the men in my life who've read the book, for the most part, that's as much as they want to talk about is they want to say, well, the writing was tough. I couldn't get into it. Well, it was really hard to get into. And I'm like, okay, but what about X, Y, Z? What about the themes? What about the, these horrendous things that are happening? Do you have any feelings? Ah, it was just hard to get into. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like there's like a block up. Um, I had one, I have one really close guy friend uh, who read it and absolutely adored it. Yeah. Um, but he's also, um, I don't know, he's more, he's a social justice kind of guy. Yeah. So, and also to that point, something interesting, after we cut the cameras um, today, everybody around the table was like, Elena, to answer your question, yes, absolutely, it's worth the payoff. To answer, at the end I asked the question, yeah. you know, yes, you say the writing is difficult, but was it worth it when you got there in the end? Every single one of them said, yes, it was absolutely worth it. But then Akil had a really interesting point, and I almost wish that this had been made on the show. He said that, yes, it was worth it, but the reason he continued to vote for the book as not one that, if, if he wants one book for all, Canada, for all of Canada to read, he said that the people who would benefit from this book, the, the men, let's say, who maybe hold these beliefs or act this way, they're not going to put the work in. They're not going to read this book. This isn't going to be the book that's going to change their minds. And I was like, oh, yeah. interesting point. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I've I, seen that, to, to bring yeah, it back yeah. to your question, I've seen that in the conversations I've had. Um, yeah, I can, I can see that. So we don't want to take up a lot of your time. We're already a little bit over, but that's okay, because I do want to at least ask you, the last question is, did you get a chance to talk to Megan and, and how, is, how is she? Um, like after since yeah. the movie, yeah, she's wonderful. She is so supportive, and like from day one, she has been. She told me just debate, argue with integrity. We are all of these books are amazing. We're not here to tear anybody down. If we win, great, but you know, no dirty moves. <laughs> Eat your vegetables, get your sleep. Um, so I spoke to her today, and she was just excited that we you know made it this far. She was myself too. We we're both excited that we got to stand there amongst these other, especially these two female authors, you know, yeah. championed by female debaters. Um, yeah, I think we're both disappointed, but proud to proud for the 
the fight we, we fought. Absolutely. Well, we just want to thank you so much. I have to say that today, the show, we all really love the show today. I thought your defense of the book was the strongest to date. Uh, what you thank said you. today was just really so well reasoned and presented. And I just want to thank you so much for giving us this chance to chat with you for a few minutes. So no, no problem. That's all that I hoped for was that I could give this book, I could do it justice, give it a fair shot because I, I had people, you know, it was it was on the chopping block from day one. So I, I was hoping to come in today and really try to make my points. Yeah, you did. You did a beautiful job today. Congratulations. And yes, thank you so much. much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right. So wow. That was a great, great, great interview. Wow. Yeah, it was. So we are going to welcome the rest of our participants back. Sarah, change your name, girl. Oh, no, it happened again. To our discussion here. And while we're getting everybody all set up and back into the room, uh, I'm going to just do the little housekeeping that we have to do. So uh, please know that we are not affiliated with CBC's Canada Reads competition and that all of our opinions are our own. We will be imposing a 30, well, we're not doing the 30 minutes. We're doing the 30 minutes for ourselves starting now because it's 7.15. So there we go. Uh, we're really excited to recap today's discussion. And we have a couple, or we have a few questions that we're gonna ask our participants today. Our crew, our team, I loved it when Akil called us a team. So that was awesome. And uh, even George Canyon, who we had on last night, mentioned our conversation from uh, yesterday in today's show. And we also got a location shout out by Ali, so that was awesome as well. So yay, Canada Reads American Style fans. We're doing it. We're becoming yeah. uh, part of the internet like sensations. So. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I have to say the last time I looked, we had 30 YouTube followers. So yay for our devoted 30 people. Yay. Yes. Yay. Thank you so much for subscribing. Don't forget, we also have an Instagram channel and uh, someone reached out to us on our Facebook page today too. So that was awesome. A Canadian who lives in Michigan. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, I will go through and uh, introduce everybody and their book titles and who they're championing. As you can see, we're using the word championing uh, because we are not defending these books. And uh, then we will get into our questions. Uh, so today we have with us Larissa, who is championing Son of a Trickster by Eden Robinson. We have Rebecca, who is championing From the Ashes by Jesse Thistle. We have Jolene, who is championing Small Game Hunting at the local Coward Gun Club by Megan Gale Coles. And we have Sarah, who is championing We Have Always Been Here by Samra Habib. And I'm Shauna, your moderator. The I am championing Radicalized by Corey Doctorow. So I do wanna preface our discussion today with that uh, small game hunting at the local Coward Gun Club did get voted off and on day three of Canada Reads. But I believe Larissa wants to 
uh, start us off with something that she's been contemplating. I do. Yeah. So this is our third night doing this. This was the third day of competition. And this is something that's kind of stuck with me since day one, because it's uh, something that uh, we've had a lot of discussions with both here on the live YouTube uh, discussions, but also in our chat. Uh, it's something that's come up a lot in the CBC Canada Reads Facebook group. And finally finding uh, one of my best friends in Calgary. Hey, Sam. Um, she's not in Calgary, she's in Edmonton. Um, she, in Edmonton, hey, Sam. Um, she finally caught up today and she was able to, I was able to bounce some of those things off her uh, because I had been starting to feel like maybe I was an odd one out with how I was viewing things. Um, and not that I'm typically someone who would keep my voice quiet, because if you know me personally at all, you know that's not, my, not the case, but I wondered if I was missing something. Um, and it, it's about the gender dynamics around the table and how the first couple of days of debate went. And I don't have a lot to say on it because today was a very different debate. It was a lot more book focused. It was a lot, um, the etiquette was there a lot more. And they also noted some of the technological things that they are dealing with this year that they haven't in past years, which I thought was really interesting and I'll comment on in a moment. Um, but in the last couple of days, um, in our discussions and the discussions online, I have seen a lot of gender dynamic comments and they have been very critical about the women around the table. And um, we've heard things like, and I'm not just, this is not just discussions we've had as a group. These are discussions I've seen online and everything. Um, there's been a lot of girls against boys. They actually mentioned that on the show today. I've got a feeling they saw it in the Facebook group and also maybe we're feeling it. Um, there has been a lot of, I can't believe Amanda said that she's so loud and forward. Akil is also loud and forward. Less has been said about that. And they're the two who have been butting heads. Um, and so there's been a lot of discussion about that. And one of the things that really stuck out for me in particular was actually Elena's comment to Akil on that first day that people were really outraged about that if he was feeling uncomfortable about the men in the book, then maybe he needed to look in the mirror. And to me, and based on my circles and the people that I follow on Facebook and Instagram, that is a really normal thing to say to someone who is feeling triggered and uncomfortable. Not because we wanna say, hey, you're obviously you know, shitty and therefore you need to look at yourself. It's because when things like that are put into literature or Facebook posts, or if someone's doing a body positive post and it's somebody who's overweight and they get uh, criticism, They're all, they'll all, all, often say, you need to have a look at why you feel uncomfortable about my body on Instagram, things like that. Like that is a really normal thing in my realm to say to someone. So I took that to mean not, hey, I think you're a misogynist because you don't believe that this is a normal person. I took that to mean, if you're feeling uncomfortable, that means that you need to have a look at why you feel uncomfortable and you need to do the work to figure out why we think it's not something that is uncomfortable. And that was missed. And with that, along with all of those other things, there's been a lot of like, I can't believe the women said these things. I can't believe the women said those things. Also, I can't believe George said girls, girls, girls. That was also called out online, but it's still a gender thing that was used within the around the debate table and so my comment is not that I think that anyone is necessarily right or wrong even though I do have some feelings on that 
my challenge is actually to say, if you feel uncomfortable with the way the women are talking around the table and the gender disparities and the gender dynamics around the table, then I think you actually need to take a look at why you feel that way and be critical about what feelings it's bringing up, which is actually exactly what Elena said to appeal that first day. And I wanted to put that out there because there are so many people online who are having those comments. And I just am hoping that maybe they'll see this and they'll take a step back and they'll say, why are these things making me uncomfortable? Do I feel like she should be less forward? Do I feel like she should be less loud? Is there something wrong with what she's saying? Because in some cases that's the case. Or am I uncomfortable with the way she's saying it, even though what she's saying is not wrong? And I just wanted to make sure that I said my piece because it's been like three days and I've been like, I don't feel comfortable with the conversations we're having. Um, and I wanted to put it out there because I just want people to be critical of what they're seeing and whether or not there's some implicit bias there. Can I just want to add one little thing because I want to start that conversation of looking inward. I want to kind of jump from Larissa, what Larissa just said and, you know, start that um, comfort level with doing that because I'm comfortable enough right now to say my gut reaction after day one was very similar. It was, you know, these women are attacking. This is, you know, that was my knee jerk reaction. I had a really tough day yesterday because I did the work. I read lots of information. I spoke with people I trusted and cared about to respond, you know, accurately back to me without worrying about appropriateness. And I've since then, adjusted my perspective on the situation and it, it very much aligns with Larissa's I didn't start there and I just want to use myself as an example of how it's okay to have those gut reactions what what matters is exactly what Larissa is saying what you do with that afterwards so get comfortable with being called on your feelings get comfortable with making mistakes it's okay um it's what happens next that's important you know, right now, maybe not always in the future, but right now that's what's the most important. Get okay with it because, you know, it's gonna happen and it's okay to make mistakes, but then learn and do better. That's all. Okay, I think I think we all kind of have to at least make some comment here. So what I what I kind of want to say is, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, because I have a bad memory. So I don't remember exactly what I said over the last few days specifically, but there were some things that, that did bother me. And I, I still am gonna kind of stand by them a little bit, but I also did a little bit of work and I there was something I posted to the Canada Reads Facebook page as well, where I said, you know, I agree this one person wrote something really eloquent and I responded and I said, you know, I'm looking at it differently. I get it because, you know, I'm an old seventies feminist. So I get it, but I also thought, I, I, think, I think sometimes in this very short period of time we have for this competition, four days, one hour, a lot of stuff to ground to cover. I think you, it, it, there isn't enough time maybe to start with a gut punch. And I do think it is a gut punch. If, if, and Larissa, I get it. Like if you are with people, you know, you can call each other out and go, you need to check yourself. But if somebody is like, I can punch my brother, but you can't, doesn't mean I don't want to do the work. And it doesn't mean that we can't call people out to try for them to try to look to do the work. But I think there has to be some relationship a little bit because this was done in front of the whole world and it took the discussion away from what we were trying to originally do. 
So I'm kind of in the middle. I, I still feel like, I think we could have done better. All of us, all of us could have done better. But I also think that you kind of have to validate some feelings too. So I feel like I'm a little bit in the middle about it. So I'll just say that. And, and, and I'm without going into a long, boring discussion. <laughs> Certainly not everything that was said was said in a, like in an etiquette etiquette way that was respectful not everything was on both sides yeah i know so i agree i agree that was and that's not but that thing is is that's not a gender thing yeah and i don't think it i think it was made into a gender thing and it wasn't a gender thing it to be honest right back to the why should radicalize have been um taken out because it was written by a white man why should the voices around the table be discredited because they're female it's this it's the exact same argument Good. Jolene, do you want to weigh in? And Shauna, do you, we want to give you guys a chance? Yeah, sure. Um, I, you know, like, well, I think I said after the first day, it did feel to me like it was the girls kind of gaming up, especially with Akio. Um, there has been stuff on both sides, for sure. Um, I did appreciate today's much better because to me, it shouldn't have been personal on any side to be attacking people. So that was my piece. And so yeah, to me, the conversation should be about the books, um, which it was today, which I really appreciated. Um, and I think my thing is like, yeah, okay. And some of this wasn't said with us. Some of this I read online or I saw some other people talk about it um, on their uh, their YouTube channels and stuff like that, where, you know, they were saying, you know, yeah, the guys are feeling comfortable because that's how women have felt for the last centuries. And that, you know, now they're feeling what we have felt. And I'm kind of like, just because men have been doing that and yes we have experienced that as women doesn't mean it's okay now to turn the tables and do that to them yeah. and that's where it became a so it's okay for the women to attack it, it, they didn't say it in those words it's how it felt right so um you know like so we're saying it's okay for the women to attack because that's what men have been doing all along and i'm and i'm like no <laughs> you know like that isn't right and i just so to me the debates should be about the books. They shouldn't be personal. It shouldn't be about um, gender. And it did feel that way. And like I said, it might not have been intentional, but it just felt that way, especially the first day. I um, think that so, it did feel, it did yeah. feel gendered. And I don't think it yeah. wasn't, I think that's the thing. And I right. also have, I also have a little bit of a problem by saying that the women were attacking. Cause I think if we were to go back and look at it in past years when there were less women or if you look at a debate in general, like strong points need to be made and they're not always attacks. I also think though that the technological, um, like not being able to see the, the cues yeah. and things like that probably played into it and we didn't realize. Yeah. That is probably true about, cause I don't think I realized that until today that they couldn't they, see They didn't them. mention, right? Yeah. Right. Well, no, not that I remember. And I think, um, yeah, that was the first time today where I was like, oh, they can't see. And I, no, I didn't realize. And they said like, they're doing pretty good for that, right? Because I mean, you do pick up on social cues and body language and things like that. Um, I think that, yeah, it, and it's not, I guess when I say attacking, part of that is, you know, to me, Akil would try to say something and they didn't let him. So there just wasn't that respect of letting someone speak. There wasn't the respect of letting him say his piece then you can rebut, then you can argue back. But to me, it was like, no, we're all in and I'm just going to argue. And yes, that has happened to women over and over and over again. How many times have people spoken over women and we don't get our voices heard, but it doesn't mean that it's okay for us to do that to anyone else. Right, and I just wanna say one thing too, because I do think that um, 
in the in the day like in today's world it's almost like if you're the person if, if you it, how am i trying to say this it it doesn't no matter who does it that behavior shouldn't be shouldn't be excused so at the end of the day it's basically what jolene's saying but at the end of the day if we're going to ever have proper discourse and that's what i had said if we ever want to have clear discourse with each other we actually have to sort of check all of our baggage we've got to check everything and listen to each other it's about listening first and, and i'm the last one i jump over everybody's thing i don't pay attention and listen really well and but we have to do that. And I think if we did that, if we really looked somebody in the eye and listened to them and let them finish and then have a point, I think then you can have it. And I don't necessarily agree, like George was saying, like, I love to debate. I don't think a debate means it has to be angry, uh, aggressive or anything like that. I think it means, hey, make all your great points. Cause I'll tell you what, today, Elena filled it in the points that she made. She was the most eloquent and articulate on, articulate on her book all week. And it was, refreshing. I loved it. I mean, I was eating it up. So that's what we needed. And I think that's what we had. It was great today. But I just want to say thank you, Larissa, for kind of opening up that discussion for us. And Shauna, I didn't mean to cut you out. If you want to go ahead and add anything here. No, that's okay. I'm actually going to move us along. And uh, because I think you guys have done a really great job of doing a well-rounded um, discussion and conversation on that. So uh, our first question today is, which book out of the five left you feeling the most hope? And we're going to have Sarah start this time. Oh. Okay. <laughs> um, so I do, I really, I really enjoyed Akil's comment about hope. Um, my first reaction to it was like, oh, that's controversial thing to say. But then I thought, no, he's, I actually really agree. Um, because I, I do think putting so much weight into hope takes away from the work that is put in to make results happen. And um, so that actually got me thinking a lot today, probably more than anything else. I spent a lot of time mulling over that and like, what does hope mean to me and, you know, versus work and I, anyway, but I did answer this question. <laughs> um, so I tried to tie this into our teaser trailer, which is on the channel. Anybody can go back and watch it to see kind of our thoughts on each of the book, which probably gives a better summary than these days worth, where we've really been talking about discussion rather than, you know, so much of our opinions on the books. But um, I did talk about um, how, for me, the, um, the threads of community and Samra's search for community throughout her whole memoir right from as a child in Pakistan searching for um, which Muslim community she really belonged in because she struggled with that where she didn't really realize what her family um, what her family uh, beliefs were I mean, she probably didn't understand that I guess she didn't maybe didn't understand exactly where they fit in um, with moving and um, you know kind of having to be hidden from view and she was really looking for friendship and community in that way and then moving, moving, go to Canada, going around the world, kind of in search of identity and a sense of a, a place to belong um, with finding, um, I guess, coming to terms with her sexuality and finding a community space for that and a, a, a place where she felt safe um, to express her religious identity. Um, 
anyway, so those threads of community really resonated strongly with me. And I, it made me feel, I guess the closest thing I can think of as to hope, um, a hope that Canada, and this is again, why I think it really brings Canada into focus. Um, Canada can be that place where and I don't think we're there yet, but I am hopeful that we will be there in the future where Canada can be a place where you can depend on to be able to find your community to express your identity or search for your identity, even if it takes you your entire life, nobody needs to know it. Ever come to terms with it, it can be evolving your identity changes and I really I am hopeful that Canada can eventually get there to be kind of a, a, a model country as a place where it's safe um, to to be yourself and to express it freely. Um, we're definitely not there. We have we have major problems like anywhere else does. But I think we do a really good job um, when we really try and put the work in to um, to face it head on and um, help people out where we can. So I'm hopeful that that book gives me hope that Canada will get to be get to a place in the near future of safety for your search for community and identity expression. That's awesome. And uh, Jolene, how do you, uh, sure. which book do you think left you feeling the most hope? I would say of the five, probably from the ashes, maybe the most obvious. I think they all offer hope to some extent. Um, but I think uh, with Jesse's story, and everything that he's been through and then how he's overcome all of that and then where he is now in his life. And I think he's doing so much for Canada and our homeless, uh, the homeless situation, especially with our indigenous people. And he's, I think he's able to bring hope to a lot of people because of his story. Um, so there's not only hope in, for him individually, but I think for you know anyone who's going through something similar. Um, and I think we all know somebody who's struggling in some way that they can, you know, they can, they can get through it, that they can work through it. And um, that it's not, they're not, it's not a hopeless case, even though it might feel like it at the time and you're in the midst of it. So my, my vote would be for From the Ashes. I think Rebecca would probably be <laughs> on board with saying the same thing. So I'm going to go first and then let her go. <laughs> <laughs> So I think that the book that drew the most hope for me was Son of a Trickster, because one of the reasons why I kept reading was trying to figure out if Jared was ever going to get better or better himself, because he was doing so much for others, but he wasn't doing anything for himself. And so the fact that he was starting to get clean at the end of the book is really brought the idea or concept of hope to me but knowing that there's two more books and a movie coming out it's just kind of like oh there's gonna be even more so but now I will let Rebecca tell us all about her book oh, the book okay well I'm gonna surprise you Shauna I'm gonna flip-flop with Jolene because and Sarah, I apologize because Sarah hasn't finished the book, but I, I really, I'll, I'll be subtle in what I say. I'm supposed to be authorities on these things. Don't tell them. I gotta, I gotta say, wow, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Outer on the not knowing the book. 
I meant a different Sarah. I'm so sorry. Anyway, uh, no, I, I'll tell you why. Because I don't know how many of us on the panel have sisters. How many of us have sisters? Okay, so I know my sister won't be watching this, but relationships with sisters can be brutal. And especially as you get older, it just, you get older and there's just more history. So it's hard. And, and I've had a lot of tough times with my sister. And so for me, when I was reading Small Game Hunting, Olive and Iris were just, they killed me. Like I just will never forget both of them and what they went through. And I know I've experienced some of that myself. I've, I've known other women who've experienced some of the things in the book. And I just think, um, and, that, and then we just talked to Elena and she said that Megan said that she left the ending ambiguous on purpose. But for me, I see those two sisters coming together at the end and I'm, I walk away and going like, and I think I said that to Sean. I was like, yes, like these sisters, they're gonna be okay. And that gave me a lot of hope. So, that, so Jolene and I flip-flop. <laughs> now let's see, uh, Larissa, are you going to surprise us with your choice of which book made you hopeful? <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm pretty readable. Um, Son of a Trickster gave me the most hope, though it's tied very close with From the Ashes um, because From the Ashes, I think, gives hope in a different way. Um, From the Ashes from the ashes gives hope in uh, like looking at it from someone who, you know, knows people who struggle with addictions or um, my background's in education. So I would, I used to teach youth. So um, the hope it gives you that just because someone's struggling now doesn't mean they'll be struggling always is really important. Um, but I, son of a trickster, basically for the same reason really, except that there's a little bit more to it for me. Um, and the thing about Son of a Trickster is that um, it's the same thing. He's young, he gets himself clean, he figures out that this isn't the life he wants to live and he wants to change it. But at the end, I think in this book and not in the beginning of the next one, but I can't quite remember, he leaves. And that is the kicker for me. Um, a lot today, there was a lot of discussion about how Jared still loves his mom. Actually, there was a lot of discussion <laughs> Feel really strongly about this um that akil said that he was too resilient and didn't seem to he seemed unscathed by everything he went through and i could not disagree more um i feel like he is very scathed um he is really affected by the things that he goes through to the point where he actually leaves his mom um and i think that that is something that's not talked about enough and gives me a lot of hope that it can be put out there that you can be struggling you can get clean. And if you're in a toxic environment, you can still love your family. You can still want that, but you don't have to stay in it and you can leave. And I think that they talked about that a lot. Like ab abused kids love their abuser and hate themselves. Like that is a pattern and that is true. Um, and that doesn't need to be the case. And I know people who've cut out toxic family members just because their family doesn't mean they stay. Um, and it's really about taking care of yourself first. Um, and that's the hope that that give, gave me. He leaves, so he gets better. And then he takes himself out of the situation. Um, and then of course there's a whole nother book and there will be a whole nother book again. So we get to continue to see that growth. Um, and that's why it's the most hopeful for me. Cause he doesn't, he, 
it's about the patterns for somebody who's who's dealing with addictions it's the same thing they were saying about jesse you know he he was successful and then he fell back and he was successful and then he fell back you need to remove yourself from the situation and right at the very end in son of a trickster jared does that or possibly the beginning of trickster drift cannot remember which one Marissa, can i ask you a question um you would probably remember much better than i can um was jared um was jared's uh like trauma was that the reason he was able to tune into um the magical world and what was happening i can't remember if um so that. i i think the reason he could tune into the magical world was because his father was the trickster okay. and his mother was a witch <laughs> so yeah. it was like bred into him basically right but then um his girlfriend was also connected and through all of that um he becomes connected but i do think it is trauma based because that is what it's the self protection like when he was assaulted by his mom's ex boyfriend he the first time he ever experiences the magic he leaves his body and he can see it happening and to be honest that's not even that's an experience that people who would go through traumatic situations talk about anyway that's not even like the magic part of the book um that is something that people say they experience but then his neighbor comes along in her you know out of her body and like puts him back in his body um and so that's where it starts and then um it's like a self-protection but also it's like a drug trip that then does not leave and so um so yes and no like i think that he connects to it because that's his bloodline and then also his uh trauma is triggered the self-protection part of his trauma so what you're saying is it's likely that the the magical items are amplified and proof that he is not unscathed <laughs> i would say <laughs> like a major yeah. part of the book is proof like, that he is not oh unscathed. my gosh i have like i Akil, if you're watching this, I hope that you will go back and look at that again because the whole way through Jared is very affected by his um his circumstances entirely. Um but being a young adult, he that's all he knows and if you're going to continue to live and like function and be alive, that's what you live with and that's what you carry and that happens to people and then people get out of the situations and don't ever heal and then when they're 35 are triggered and and spiral and yeah so just because someone carries it well doesn't mean it's not heavy all yeah. right so uh we have 15 minutes left so i'm going to cut our our last question into uh, a little shorter and uh then we will wrap up with everybody so of the five books tell us what you loved and what you didn't love specifically about no more than two of the books. Okay? So I'll go ahead and get started. And I loved the things I loved about Radicalized were that it connected me to current events and things that are currently going on in the world today. Uh it was a lens into four different perspectives on several different situations. So being able to look at things uh from different time periods and different places and everything uh and then i just love the idea of women in tech and i think there should be a lot more women in tech so uh one of the things i disliked or 
did not love about We Have Always Been Here was that at the near the end of the book, Samra Habib talks about her photography and how important it is to her life. And I just wish there was more of that content in the book. And I wish there were actual photos from her work to showcase this important, such an important part of her life. And that's the one thing I was like, man, it could have been, it could have been surreal to be able to see those photos. So, you know, what would be really cool is, you know, sometimes people write a book, but then they'll release like another copy. That's kind of like a coffee table book. Like uh, Jan Arden did it with her recipe book where she like wrote her stories and her recipes that had pictures of her mom. Anyway, um, it would be really cool if she redid her, like just a republication. That's like a coffee table book. That's her story within her photos. Oh yeah, that would be cool. So make me go laugh, make me go last. Oh, you want to go last? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll have, we'll hear from Jolene then. Okay. Um, all right, well, I'll talk about uh, small game hunting since that's what I was championing. Um, so what I loved about it um, is, it was, it, I've never read a book like that before. <laughs> So it was very intense, um, but in an important way that no other book has, I don't think, ever captured a, a theme before like that. Um, I think it's very um, well written. And I liked that um, Elena talked about as being a work of art, that, you know, there is no you know, not, I mean, all books, I guess, in a way they're, you know, they're crafted, but this is really a work of art and it really paints a different picture than what we're normally used to from literature. Um, and then what I maybe didn't like about it was it, I think it's the least accessible and we, they've talked about this on the show, um, the least accessible of all of them that um, this is probably not the book to give to everyone because I'm a reader and I have struggled through it. And I don't, Mean I struggled through it because it wasn't good. I mean, I struggled through it because it is an intense read. It is on a heavy subject. There's a lot to take in. Um, so I did, I was telling Sarah this earlier that I kind of put it aside after I was over halfway done it and then realized like, oh, like we gotta, I gotta read this because we're gonna be talking about this. I gotta go back and finish this book and which I did and I appreciated more things about it in, in the second half. Um, but it's, it's a tough, it's a tough read. So I don't think that I would give it to, you know, somebody who's trying to learn about Canada. I wouldn't be like, here's the book you need to read. And this will put Canada in focus for you. I don't think it's the first story I'd want them to hear. Um, and then I have to talk about another book you said. Uh, let me see. Okay. So I think I, okay, well, I'll pick the one I, yeah. Yeah. You don't like something that you didn't like, right? Something that Shana? I, well, I think I she kind of covered that with small game hunting. Oh, I'm good. You're, you're I'm okay. welcome to do what you like. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I was going to say the, the book that I'm hoping will will win now is um, We Have Always Been Here. I, I loved the book. I, I loved the writing. I loved how she wrote and told her story. Um, the part that I didn't like um, was like, I know it's a queer Muslim memoir. And although she kind of gives hints of um, her identity and learning for herself you know of being queer and she talks about that from an early age and there's just hints of it she doesn't in my opinion really show the struggle in that other than in her religion right but like what about the struggle and I mean 
I, I love how you cut everybody kind of the characters develop and you see the love that she her family has for her and, and the acceptance that she finds with with people. Um, but she some of the struggle there, I think, is lost and I think would be really important because there would be people. It's a, it's a story that's not told. Um, you know, we don't hear about too many um, Canadian Muslims who are on the LGBTQ spectrum. And I just think that would be an important piece to maybe go into a little bit more. But I, I love that book and I'm, I'm rooting for it tomorrow. So Awesome. Uh, I do, I do want to put a, a quick plug in to what you were speaking about earlier about how small game hunting is a little uh, difficult to read. And the entire time I was reading it, I would complain to Rebecca almost every day that there were no quotations. And I even made a, a face or a, an Instagram post on our Canada Reads American Style page about me saying something to Rebecca and not putting any quotations about it to be like, well, guess what? I don't think this book's going to win because it doesn't have quotations in it. So uh, just a little funny side note there. So Sarah, uh, of the five books, tell us what you loved or didn't love specifically about no more than two of them. All right. I'll try to keep it concise. So small game hunting. First of all, I what I absolutely loved about this book was since since like page two of reading the book and I will I didn't finish it I yet yet I definitely am going to I read I've read about 100 pages so I don't know too too much of the story yet but for my my comments I don't have to um from about page two I already decided that this book was so incredibly beautifully written where it really feels like each word was so carefully and purposefully chosen um I just, I feel like there was no filler. There was you know, no throwaway sentences. There was nothing that, that wasn't very, very intentional. And I thought it was incredibly beautiful. Um, I did, I, I, okay, what, I, what do I want to, I, I wrote the note, accessibility. Oh, I got a fly. Did that come from Elena's house? Yes. <laughs> um, Accessibility, yeah. So my my thoughts on this have evolved quite a bit. So when if people first started talking about accessibility, I, I I kind of jumped right on that and said, you know, in other years, books got put off for being too accessible. Some of the YA books, the graphic novel, Essex County, that was a criticism of that one. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was kind of confused. It's like, where is that comfort middle ground? Are is you know not accessible enough? Too accessible? Like what's what's the what's the thing there and I got pretty defensive with myself and some other people about accessibility. you know put in the work to read book. it's worth it you know all that but then I started to do some inward thinking and I find the book for me very accessible which means it's not up to me to decide that it's not accessible right so if someone if someone finds it inaccessible that's valid. It's not up to me as someone who does not find it difficult to make a judgment call on that. So I just wanted to say that because I do see a lot of conversation back and forth about, you know, people being critical of others saying it's not accessible and it's okay if it's not and if that's valid. And, you know, if you find it easy, you don't have a right to, to tell them that, you know, that's my mini rant on that. Um, 
but I also have the benefit of having a husband who's from Newfoundland and, you know, you get one beer in him and it comes right out, you know, <laughs> so that helps a lot. And it's, it's funny. I actually would like to know, Larissa, what you think about this, because you mentioned that you live there. Um, the no quotations seems natural, because I feel like when you get in a room of people really, you know, talking in conversation as if you're not there, you know, it's a little struggle with understanding. There are no quotation marks in this conversation. It's quick, it, you know, it flows really well. Um, does that make sense? It does make sense. And I didn't make this connection at all, but just thinking about it now, when I read a book and there's like a quotation where someone starts to say say something, then they end, they say something, I pause in my reading, right? And then I think like they said that. And you're right. Like Newfoundlanders don't pause (laughs) while you're listening to them in conversation. So that totally makes sense to me. That is where I should live. I should live in Newfoundland. Oh my gosh. Now I find out. You just found your place in the world. Yeah. Come here quickly. Um, okay, I'm sorry. That went longer than I, I intended. So we have, always, we have always been here. What I what I loved was the identity again. I loved the concept of evolving identity. So it changes. A, a lot of times we are confronted with the idea that you have to decide who you are and that's who you are. If, if, if that changes, it's confusing to people and that's your responsibility. But it's not. It's not your responsibility. It's theirs to settle into it. So I really like the idea that your identity can evolve and change. Um, uh, and I think that that is something that we can all relate to. So at different parts in our lives, we connect with different communities. And um, those communities do impact our identity. It's okay if it takes longer to get there, and it's okay if it changes. And it's on other people to, to come to terms with that. It's not on you to make other people comfortable. And that's something I really love that she got across in that book really well. Um, something I disliked and I struggle with that because it's it's not a non book at all. It's just a reality. And that's with Son of a Trickster, the trilogy. So I find for the competition where you're judging the merits of one book, I found I didn't like that um, only because it's not meant to exist on its own. There's more to that story. So I think it's unfair almost pitted against um, a complete story in one in one you know in one package because you're left with comments like you know um the last chapter kind of took a turn and i don't know what's happening and you're not supposed to you're supposed to go by the next book and keep reading the story you'll get the third book and then you hear about how you go this is a plug go back and listen to eden robinson being interviewed by rebecca and shauna she really talks about how she evolved the story and how it came about and really helps explain that and so it's not that i just like it i just think it was almost an unfair attribute of this book because it's meant to be read as a three book series it's not meant to be you know a whole thing served up in one package makes sense all right, let's go ahead and see Larissa's view on the book, the two books that she loved and didn't love specifically. Um, okay, so um, question, but I know, I know what you mean. I heard you say. I figured you would. <laughs> um, so I, to be honest, really loved all of the books. So it's really hard to pick. Um, but things that I loved about and didn't love about books. So um, 
it just to break tradition, I won't talk about Son of a Trickster. It is my favorite. I hope it wins tomorrow. I absolutely love it. I do feel like it's a fine standalone book, but I completely understand the point of the extra story that comes with the second book because the second book was better. Everybody go get Trickster Drift. It's better. Um, so I'll go with From the Ashes. And I just really loved From the Ashes because you really got a sense of who Jesse was even when he was struggling um, and how his feelings on what that meant for like how that he, he understood that it didn't only affect him. His struggles affected more than just him. He talks about his grandfather. He talks about his grandmother, um, his effect on his brothers. Um, and then it's just the whole story is simply amazing. So um, I'm really sad it's out of the running. I was hoping it would be up at the end by Link with Son of a Trickster. Although that would be a very, the themes are the same, but like one's a memoir and one's not. So maybe it's good they're not up against each other. Um, something I didn't love about one of the books, and I'm really actually quite surprised. I feel fairly strongly about this and I am a minority, I think, in feeling this way. Um, especially though, since From the Ashes is one of the books in this five books, um, I felt like We Have Always Been Here lacked lacked emotion for me um it felt like it was a re a report on her life it felt like like i appreciate her story i a hundred percent agree with everything you said sarah about identity and evolving identity and coming to terms with that yourself and saying this is who i am take it or leave it um i completely agree with all of that it just missed the mark for me in terms of evoking emotion um any sort of nuance it really just felt like it was a and then this happened to me and then this happened to me and then this happened to me and i found i know that she found her community but canada itself was not when they first immigrated to canada was that was not the canada that i hope we will be and that's okay it's the canada we are and that's that is what it is and i hope we can change um so uh, even though she did find her community in toronto um it's not like a raw, raw Canada, not that it needs to be, but do you know what I mean? Like uh, she found her community there, but that's not, they immigrated and that was not an amazing thing for them. Um, like you hope it will be. Um, and so that was something I disliked about the book. I'm actually so surprised that everyone around the table has not mentioned that specific thing. Everyone's like, yeah, I feel like I was having coffee with her. And I was like, I felt like I was reading a school report about her life. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about that. I feel very strongly. I feel like no one's going to change my mind on that because it just, um, and not that anyone needs to, but um, I'm just surprised that it's one of the last two. What? I completely agree with you. Like it just was not, especially because like I read From the Ashes and I was like, wow, like full of emotion. Um, and then I read the, we have always been here and I was like, that's an amazing story that I just felt like I was missing major pieces of and the pieces are were her I was missing her mm -hmm. yeah yeah there we've had big lots of discussion on we have always been here and emotion in particular so uh don't forget to check out our podcast on that because Rebecca <laughs> and I do go into quite detail about our deep detail about that uh so we will finish up with Rebecca and tell us all right all right, got the clock running. I'll go. I'll go quickly. Uh, I said a hundred percent of what Larissa, Larissa just said about um, we have always been here. That's how I feel. Listen to our podcast about it. I, we go into great detail. Uh, I, I just it was it was like reading a, a newspaper article. I, I felt no emotion at all, and I 
but I agree with everything else. Just ditto everything Larissa said about it. That's how I feel about it. Uh, and I truly will be no, I mean, no offense to the author. And I mean, Sommer's life is amazing. I'm not saying that. I just will be very sad if it wins because I just feel like it just falls so flat for me. But her life is amazing. And I'm glad she's found her community and everything. I, I'm very happy for her on that. Um, so there's that. The other thing I didn't like, and I hate to say this, Larissa, because I'm going to point you out again, but Son of a Trickster just didn't work for me. And it's and I, I thought about this a lot. And I don't know if it's because when I when I read it, I was just not in a space to read it because Sean and I talked about it. And I even before it was made it on the long or the short list or even the long list, I had already purchased it because I thought this is so going to be my book. And, and I won't go into all the reasons why I thought it was going to be. And it just I just didn't I can't. I just can't feel anything for that book. I love Jared. I love the character, but the story, I just couldn't get into it. And, and the only thing I will say about that is I'm not a real magic realism kind of person, but I will tell you that Crow Winter, I could die. I love that book so much. I just finished reading Chasing Painted Horses and I cried at the end. I love that book so much. So it's not that I, it's not that part of it. I just don't know why I couldn't connect with the, st the story overall. And I love damaged people better than anybody. So I still don't get why I couldn't. Maybe I need to reread it or something. What did I love? Okay, so I loved Iris because there's a little bit of Iris in me. I've known a million women that is that are Iris. And I even wrote down the page numbers and the quotes of things that Iris said that I just went, oh my God, like it just stabbed me in the heart. I love Iris so much. She will always live with me. But the, obviously I'm, gonna end don't you cry but I love from the ashes so much and it should have been the book tomorrow but here's what I want to say about it I am even though I hate romance books I'm not kidding you I can't I don't want to read romance I hate them but I collect romance couples I do I have a, a whole bunch of couples in my life that I love them so much because of how they have developed their relationships and how beautiful they are as a couple and I'm not saying they don't have problems, everybody has problems, but I love them as couples. And so I have collected Jesse and Lucy as one of my romance couples. And so they're in a very illustrious list of people who I adore and who I just pray will always be together, not always living happily ever after, I get that, but they'll, they'll always be in love with each other. So. Yeah. Well, that is an awesome thing to uh, have us end with, especially uh, since I know the last couple of days that we've gotten to discuss things, it's kind of not um, the happiest of news. So happy, <laughs> happiness at the end. We talked about hope and love today. So we are happy about the discussion that took place today, especially of how book-centered it was. And uh, we want to thank all of you for joining us in our recap. Uh, we apologize for it going so long, but we had a lot to say and we are going to take the, the time and, and space since we have the ability to, to be able to tell the world about our thoughts. So uh, don't forget to follow all of us on Instagram. You can find all of our links down in the uh, description down below. And uh, please don't forget to subscribe and follow all of us. We're talking about all this stuff all year long. Uh, several of us have a lot of bookstagram 
content that goes out every day, scheduled out way in advance, so on and so forth. So we can't wait to see you again tomorrow at 7 p.m. for the last recap of the Canada Reads 2020 competition. But we have some exciting news that we will be sharing with you uh, tomorrow at the actual recap. So with that, we will be signing off. So we will see you later. Bye.